Okay, let me pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever had to stand up in front of friends or family and the outcome wasn't quite what you were expecting? Have you ever spoken about something that you are incredibly passionate about, but your biggest fans, even your family, have said that they don't agree, that they don't believe in what you are saying? I've recently started watching a program called Friday Night Dinner. The premise is that it's a family who come together for a meal every Friday. There are two sons who are in their 20s, and it's a very funny show. The brothers have a lot of banter. One of them puts salt in the other's water at dinner. Um, But often, one of them will have something important to say. And the family really don't care or believe in what that person is saying. They think they're being ridiculous, and the family push the one who's speaking away because they don't have faith in what they're saying. Now, that's a jovial example, but it makes the point. How does it feel when those closest to you reject what you are saying? Jesus, in our passage for today, found that in his hometown, the place where he should feel most comfortable and most loved. Yet, he is being criticised. He had different reactions from different people, but those who were closest to him were his biggest critics. Today's passage is one of two halves, much like the England-Sweden game yesterday. But these two halves in our passage are polar opposites. These are the polar opposites of having faith. We see those who have faith, and we see those who have no faith. Where would you place yourself on that scale? In the first half, we see Jesus going back to his hometown of Nazareth, and the crowds go through three reactions. Read with me in verse 2. It says, On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. At first, we're told that they are amazed at what Jesus was teaching, but this amazement leads to their questioning at the end of verse 2 which eventually leads to them being offended by Jesus, which we can see at the end of verse 3. Their amazement was for Christ's inherent authority. Jesus didn't teach under the human authority, but under the authority of God. But this led the crowds to then question Jesus, In verse 2, the crowd say, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? Jesus was just the boy from their town. He was the carpenter. He was the brother of their friends. How could he be someone special? And the crowds were offended by what he was teaching. I don't know if you have ever been in a situation where this has happened to you, perhaps in your job at work or even at home. Have you ever been in a situation where something you have said has led the people around you to be offended by the words that you've used? How did that make you feel? If that was me, I'd probably be a bit upset and a little bit angry. Or perhaps you are the person being offended by what someone else has said. 
we can learn from Jesus's reaction here. Jesus has felt this way. He knows how it feels when someone rebukes you. Yet Jesus still loves. Jesus was speaking with the authority of God. And his reaction wasn't to turn against the people. Let's look in verse 5. It says, and he could do no deed of power there. Jesus didn't decide not to do miracles in that place because he didn't like them anymore. Jesus didn't do miracles in that place because of their lack of faith. Jesus still loved them, but he saw that they had no faith, that they were living in a culture of unbelief. But that's not the end of our gospel reading today. That's only the first half. The second half gives us the example of having faith. In many ways, we are now living in a culture of unbelief. And we are called as Christians to be those who believe, to be those who have faith. And we are called to specific places. Read with me in verse 7. It says, he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Jesus sent his disciples and commissioned them to do his work. Where are you called to? You could be called to be a parent or a lawyer or a doctor, a teacher, a politician, retired, or even a vicar. You could be called to a specific geographical place. But wherever or whatever you are called to, Jesus calls us and Jesus sends us out. And he gives each one of us a purpose for our lives. Where is God calling you to? Where is he sending you? As a teenager, I often sang the hymn, Here I am, Lord, is it I, Lord? In fact, I very vividly remember singing it one Sunday morning. And I didn't know then what God was calling me to. But I sang it as a prayer. And God showed me his purpose for my life. Here I am. But that isn't the end of the story. I may have found what God is calling me to, and I will constantly be seeking God to see where he is sending me. And that involves having faith, much like the disciples needed, as Jesus sent them out. So what does that look like? What does it look like to have faith? Well, from our passage today, we can see three things that Jesus made sure were in place for his disciples. These are support, being sure of God's provision, and shaking off the dust. First, support. In verse 7, we see that Jesus sent his disciples two by two. We aren't called to do mission on our own. We are called to have support. This doesn't mean that we're literally walking around two by two, but it does mean that we aren't meant to function as an island. Each of us are called into God's purpose for our lives, and through that comes support and community. Your support network can be your spouse, your best friend, a mentor, somebody from work. And so I urge you that to surround yourself with support, Find someone that you can pray with once a week or meet up with once a month and share what God is doing in your life. 
next, we see that we are to be sure of God's provision. Let's read verses 8 to 10. They say, He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. The disciples are sent with nothing but a staff. This is so that they will rely on God through the hospitality of those they meet. They are also sent without an extra tunic or an extra shirt. This would have been used in the nighttime for extra warmth. But Jesus tells them not to take it. Both of these commands are given so that the disciples step out of their comfort zone and rely wholly on God. Where can we identify in our lives the times when we need to rely wholly on God? Where can we step out of our comfort zones? And finally, we are called to shake off the dust, as we read in verse 11. This is a phrase that comes from an action the Pharisees used to do. When a Pharisee left what they thought was a ceremonially unclean Gentile area, they would literally shake the dust off their feet as to get rid of any uncleanliness from them. Now, Jesus' command isn't to do with being in an unclean area. Jesus gives this command as a sign of closure in a situation that has been unpleasant for the disciples. If they were made unwelcome, they gave this sign that they felt this way, and then they would leave. Jesus doesn't say to hold grudges or to speak badly of that person that has been rude or unwelcoming. We are given this command as a reminder that in a situation that makes us feel uncomfortable, we should simply move on. We don't need to make a big fuss or hold a grudge, but just move on. So where is Jesus sending us, his faithful people? Do we have support around us relying completely on God's provision? And are we moving on from situations that we've found uncomfortable? We are the people of faith, and we have each been given a promise by God for our lives. What's your purpose? And do we have the faith to step into it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to redeem your people. Help us to seek your purpose for our lives and guide our hearts to be your faithful people through your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.